Hello, I'm Fern Cotton and this is Happy Place. Today I've got something a bit special for you. It's Mother's Day, so I'm joined by my mum, Linda Cotton. You do think dark thoughts and what have you and you just think, why? Why why is that there? It would take a lot to unravel it, but in a simple way, I just own it and I don't question it. You know, you can't be all hunky-dory all the time. Everything's absolutely wonderful, you know. Light and dark, you know, light and shade. I was quite nervous before recording this episode of the podcast. I think like most people, it's kind of awkward to talk on a really personal level to family members. It's kind of weird, isn't it? Considering that I spend so much of my time talking to, well, often strangers about their mental health in depth, it's a totally different kettle of fish when it's someone that you know very well. But I thought it would be not only interesting, but an important thing to do. And maybe me having a chat with my mum today will inspire you to do the same with either your mum, if you've got a mum, or someone in your life that you love very much or someone you're very close to that you haven't had a big juicy chat with before. My mum's mental health has definitely been up and down over the years and it's something that I've been aware of. And I've also been aware of how that's affected me. And I've also been curious to learn more about my maternal grandmother, who I know suffered mentally, but I don't really know why or how. So these are all things that I want to talk to my mum about today, and hopefully she's up for it. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Here's me and my mum, Lynn. How are you? <laughs> I don't know why I'm asking you that. I've been here an hour. I know. Um, this is an unusual situation for us to find ourselves in. But I thought for Mother's Day, happy Mother's Day, by the way, we would do a Mother's Day episode of Happy Place and have a chat, which I know you were apprehensive about in terms of you didn't want to sound... What Did you describe yourself as, as a plank? I think It's a said. wally. I don't want to look like a wally. But as I've said, we're not expecting you to be an expert. Like, you're not turning up like Brené Brown. We're just having a chat. We're literally just having a chat. All right, I'm in your capable hands. Very much so, hopefully. But also, it's weird for me, because normally I'm in a very sort of work mode. So I'm torn between trying to be professional in work mode, but also being a daughter, which is a bit like childlike at times. Do you know what I mean? So I'm in the middle of that. It's quite confusing for me. How do you think I feel? More confused, probably. 
Well, the pleasure's all yours anyway. Well, quite, exactly. Yeah. So there's lots of things that I want to talk to you about today. We're not going to do like a twee Mother's Day thing because I know that's not your style and you don't like stuff like that. I'll give you your present on Sunday when you come for lunch and all that jazz. It'd be a good one. It's a great gift. But I want to talk about lots of different things. And I guess the first most obvious one is mental health because it's an awkward thing, I think, for people to talk about within families. And... Obviously, I've talked to like hundreds of strangers about it, but it's always weirdly more difficult when it's people you're related to. And I think one of the reasons is, say, like you and dad come for tea with the dog or come for lunch or whatever. It's not like you go, oh, do you want a cup of tea? Oh, by the way, how's your mental health? Or let's talk about mental health. It feels like there's never the right time to sort of do it, I guess. But when I wrote Happy, my first book on mental health, I... I was still nervous to ask you, but I emailed you and said, would you write a piece about depression? Because I thought that would be easier Mm. than having a conversation. And it was. And you wrote a big piece that ended up in the book. So that was the first time that I guess I'd used the word depression in front of you and you'd done the same back to me. So let's dive into that a little bit. So talk to me about your experience of depression when you think it started, how it manifests. Okay, um, I'm going to start coughing now. I I just knew it. You can cough, it's fine. It's only in the throat. It's your, well, this is it. When you're talking about big stuff, it's your throat chakra is clearing. Someone doesn't want me to talk about it. No, you just got to, you're allowed, you have permission. When did I first feel it? I guess so, or like Mm. notice it being a thing. I was going to say 18, but I think it went before that. I must have been about eight or nine. And I remember when we lived in London, and it was very random, I remember walking to the shops to get mum whatever, the little local shop. And I was walking over the brow of a a railway bridge. And I remember people walking towards me. And this really powerful thought was in my mind that they all know something about me. They're, They're not looking at me. But as as they're walking by, I can feel them. They knew me. Well, like a paranoia state. Yeah, I felt exposed. And that was as a young kid. Mm. And that was a one-off thing. Then skip forward to about 18, 19, and it kind of kicked in there. I'd be on the tube and I'd be going to Oxford Street and I'd feel I'm going to faint, you know, and all this. Never have fainted from any of my mental problems, emotional problems, never fainted, but always got to the brink of it. But I don't know anybody who ever has fainted from it. I think you think you will, but you don't. Yeah. And I think I'm going to keep jumping around here now. I think having read your friend Rebecca's breathing book. Rebecca Dennis, yeah. Rebecca, yeah. Breathing, I think, is the most helpful thing to do. And I didn't know about it then. So you'd hyperventilate and it would get worse, you know, and so on and so forth. So I guess that's a panic attack. Yeah. Yeah. That would be a panic attack. And then I'd get them um, in bed at night, which were the worst, because you do feel when you're in bed at night, it's just you and there's no one to help and everything that's going through your mind gets bigger and bigger. And I've even had an ambulance come out to me. When Um, was that? 20 years ago. Wow. Maybe 15, 20 years ago, yeah. And so in that, because, you know, obviously we've talked about this mm. a little bit. I, I have exactly the same thing at night time, mm. especially if I have a scary thing the next day where I feel I'm going to be judged or mm. people are going to have make commentary on me. 
I just, it's not like I just can't go to sleep because often people go, oh, have you tried this lavender spray? And you're like, oh my God, I could drink lavender spray and it's not going to do anything. Mm. This is like mm. a physical, on a cellular level, panic. And it, you do feel very alone and very awful. But what what are your symptoms? Like physically, what, so you, is it still the feeling you're going to faint or is it something else going on, your heart racing? It's a feeling that washes over you. I, it's very hard to articulate Obviously, the heart's banging away. Yeah, You're sweating hot and cold. You feel nauseous. I remember my mum used to get this, and mm. she said it's like you're being dragged somewhere emotionally. You're, you're out of control. But as I said, I have been applying... I don't get them anymore. At all, ever? Touchwood. Uh, not in, not in, no, actually, I don't. I don't get them very often at all now. And the breathing, 100%, calms it yeah it really does maybe one or two times in bed maybe after I've had a drink I don't drink loads you know that yeah go to bed and you feel it creeping over you I I do the various breathing techniques and it calms it right down before you discovered all that though when you're (laughs) lying there is there one particular thought that you feel is propelling it or do you think it's a physical thing that happens first I would say mine oscillates between the two sometimes it's a panic that I'm not going to sleep. It's that simple. I'm not going to sleep and tomorrow is going to be a write-off and I've got this thing that I want to do well or that thing I want to do well. And it's just an anxiety that sleep won't happen and then it turns into panic. Or it could be specifically about a job. Or sometimes it feels like the physical bit gets there first. Do you have one particular thought that starts it all going, like a worry or a concern about something? I think, obviously, your subconscious is carrying stuff all the time so even if you don't bring it forward to your conscious it's there and it's working and doing its thing I mean mine could be like the other day I twisted my foot on one of our long walks in your platform trainers uh yes and (laughs) (laughs) and um (laughs) this is is, don't wear platform trainers when you go for a walk well that is what did it but I do and I will continue to (laughs) even if I was on crutches I'd be you know um, anyway, I, tri- I kind of twisted <clears throat> my foot and, you know, it hurt at the time and then it faded. And then I'm lying in bed and the pain in the foot was like off the scale and it was shocking the pain and that triggered a feeling of panic. So I thought of Rebecca's tips in the book and I managed to quell it along with a few prayers and what have you. Yeah. But the pain was really bad, actually. It's amazing. And then it just all faded away. But I can't answer that because I could maybe 20 years ago have woken up and suddenly, bang, the eyes are wide open and all these feelings are coming in. Yeah. So I don't know. It's just different every time, isn't it? And it's dependent on what you've eaten, if you slept well. But as you said, you're also carrying all of this stuff around subconsciously. You are. A collection of stuff from your life, but also from your childhood. And you've already touched on Nan, who I called, well, every kid in our family called Nan TC, because she Mm. had a cat called TC, but otherwise known as Sylvia. And she had you at a really young age and she had had certain traumas in her life, I'm sure being evacuated in the war mm, to a mm. particularly abusive lady didn't help her own sort of well, development. Well, her sibling died, <clears throat> her um, sister died at, at, at uh, seven years old, that kind of yeah. helped, you know. You know, and again, I didn't ever talk to Nan about this. Nan died quite early on, sadly, of cancer. But I didn't really get the chance to have this chat. And I hadn't started diving into this subject matter at at that time. But I would love to have sat her down and 
quizzed her about it all a bit more because we can see now in lineage, whether it's hereditary or whether it's um, learned behaviour from your parents or whatever, but also my cousin Bieber, who's got, you know, similar stuff going on Mm, to us. mm. It's interesting to sort of look at nature versus nurture, what was already there versus Mm. what was learned. But your mum's mental health obviously wasn't great over the years. And I, I, I don't know, again, you don't have to answer this question because it's very private, but I've heard the phrase knocked around a bit nervous breakdown with Nan. Is that accurate? She would have breakdowns? Yeah, it was very, very difficult being a kid around that because, um, I don't know, I was 12, 13, Karen was a couple of years younger. I've never really spoken in depth to Karen about it. You know, she doesn't, as far as I know, have any nervous problems, so she dealt with it in her own way. I dealt with it in my way, which was very 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 hard you know you come home from school and you see your mum rocking in a chair staring at the wall you know she might have gone to uh, a psychiatric ward in Ealing I think it was called St Bernard's I can't really remember much about I think she used to go there on and off for daycare or something but it was really hard really really hard because you didn't as a kid you didn't have anything to hang on to you know your mum was kind of really not there and I remember um, we went to Austria for a holiday and I think this is when I began to think something's not right. Um, We were leaving the hotel, we were walking down a bit of a slope and she fell over and she hurt her knee and when she got up we all got in the car and she started sobbing and she wouldn't stop for ages and I just thought "This, this is not right you know it doesn't warrant that and that would just be another thing that's just come into my head don't ask me why but all of these experiences and uh, an overriding feeling of not having consistent maternal parenting mm. affected you a lot and yeah. has manifested itself a lot over the years in lots of different ways yeah i mean dad was obviously looking after her but who was sort of looking after us? Mm. Yeah, I'd, yeah, it was hard. Yeah, so when you're in the midst of something now, or whether it's been 20 years ago, 15 years ago, when you've it been in a very low place or depressed or had bad anxiety, in those moments, do you ever look and think, I know where this is coming from, I know that this is what I've been exposed to, or that I, I wasn't nurtured or or are you too in the thick of it to connect the dots? It doesn't really go back that far. I think it goes back to things that have happened over the last, not particularly with my parents, but with other people and injustice in life generally, which I won't go into. But, but you find that very hard. To uh, very hard, very hard. Uh, and not having a voice... That's probably the coughing. Yeah, I can feel it now. <clears throat> yeah. I but I think, it. you know, that's the interesting thing, isn't it? Th- these feelings or stuff that that we need to still do work on, and we all do. I'm not talking about you. We've all got stuff that we... And everybody does until the day they die. There's always work to be done. There's always things to unpick and situations that we need to look at with more attention. When we've got stuff like that simmering, it usually manifests physically. And it could be something as just simple as a cough but there's something well I actually had I had a thyroidectomy do you remember yeah I do I mean that could have been through not speaking my thing 
and it, it all got kind of caught there. Yeah, I, I don't generally, in the thick of it, go back to my childhood, to be fair. I think a 50s kid, we, you know, we used to get smacked and what have you, you know, there was no... Yeah, that's know, just how it was back then. That's just how it was. And so you don't hold any grudge about that at all. It's just how it was. And it hasn't scarred you for life or anything. But maybe the emotional <clears throat> side of it has had a longer lasting scar. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Randomly, um, if anybody wanted um, a good book to read, it was a book that I found, I think it might have been in the 80s, Peace from Nervous Suffering by a lady called Claire Weeks. Okay. And it is an old school book, but it was incredibly helpful at the time for people with agoraphobia and things like yeah. that. Easy to read, but it was um, a little gem, actually. And still now, even if you're not having panic attacks which is amazing like that's mm. so good mm. you do still have a tendency to catastrophize oh i do hugely. I, yeah i 100 percent do and i yeah. own that i do own that and that I is mean, me i do it as well it's me you know yeah um i, I i've got rules now for, i say rules i've got um guidelines which make my life a lot easier and as you know we've moved to a beautiful part of the country so we get out a lot. Yeah, walking is a big one with for you. Wilma. We get yeah. out a lot. And I think, you know, for people, if you can get out, you know, if you can walk, you know, get out however you can yeah. in the town or wherever, yeah. find a park, sit on your balcony, whatever. Or if you're lucky like us, get out in the country and walk. Yeah. You know, we're lucky enough to walk Wilma and find ourselves in a vast area with nobody and it's really good for you, you know, it's, it, it quietens everything down. I think that and eating well and don't look at the news. Yeah. Social media, cut that down. You know, all those things, self-care as you call it. Yeah. Um, will, you know, it will get through to every pore in your body and it will you would definitely feel better. But like you say, it's really <clears throat> important to um notice that that's going to help you that stuff's going to a hundred percent 100 percent it's going to ease your anxiety it's going to make you just feel good and and vibrant and full of energy and all those things that we long for but it's not going to necessarily eradicate all problems and suffering that we have like you said you own the fact that you're a catastrophizer you probably yeah. always will be yeah and there's actually probably some relief in that like some liberation like this is just how I am and I don't have to fix myself or be a better version of me it's like this is this is how I am it's a good place to get to maybe with age experience you get to that place I think with age definitely yeah I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. What was interesting was when we were on one of your many walks the other day with Wilma the dog and dad, mm, mm. we were talking about the Tuppence Middleton episode that you had listened to very yeah. kindly. And she was talking and sharing about her experiences of OCD. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she has gone through different guises of OCD. It will go from checking to number counting, etc. Yeah. And 
I was sort of explaining to you that if I have bad moments of anxiety, that is something that I lean on almost. I, I start checking the oven lots of times before I go to bed or I might walk out of a room and there's like a book is slightly of an angle and if I don't go back and sort it out in my head this awful subliminal voice will be like something bad's going to happen it could be quite specific actually at times it's not very nice and I can't not go back and put that book straight or pick that sock up or whatever it is I wouldn't say you know I've like got OCD or I've never been diagnosed with OCD but it's certainly something that flares up in times of anxiety Mm, mm, and I didn't mm, know mm. that you've you've had that as well and I learned that like two weeks ago yeah in fact, um, I've got it a bit at the moment because, as you know, we're we're moving, and um, again, again, and um, I'm staring at the oven knobs. Are they all off? Are they all off? I don't want the house to burn down before we move because we won't be able to move, and it goes <laughs> on and on and on and on. So I get Dad to go in there. I say, "Can you just go and check it?" And once he's done it, that's fine. Yeah, and I'm Put checking... the responsibility on Dad. That's right. It can burn down on his clock. Absolutely. <laughs> Turning the taps off. Is that tap off? I don't want the house to flood before, you know, our new lady comes and buys the house. Otherwise, she won't buy it, you know. And so you're you, looking it, at the tap and it's not running, but you you're, you think my eyes are tricking me. This yeah, is, it could still yeah, be running. Yeah, That's what yeah. Tuppence described. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah. In fact, Rick Mayle, I remember reading, he had that and he was uh, with the light switches. Stare at the light switch. Is it off? Can it miraculously switch back on on yeah. its own kind of thing? I have that with specifically locking doors and windows, certainly since I've had kids. I don't think I had any of this stuff before I had kids, but obviously it is the biggest sort of moment where responsibility is so huge out of the blue. And I, especially if we're staying not in our house, and we're on holiday in a hotel or something, checking window locks and door locks, and I have to keep going back and looking at Mm, them. And, mm. you know, it's not really about that, is it? It's not really about if your house floods. It's not really about if someone could climb through a window. It's a, it's a feeling of I'm not safe in my life, I think. Yeah, yeah, you could be right. I never feel safe, ever. Anywhere. And what is the fear? Because, I, you know, I, I know mine. My fear, or one of them, outside of having kids and protecting them, but one of my fears on a cognitive level hmm. is extreme outside judgment and extreme Do, yeah well which um, i've had yeah, obviously yeah, well, yeah. but it yeah. it's the thread of so many things and fears mm. for me mm. that i'm going to be negatively commented on or mm. judged unfairly or whatever that's a big one yeah so that is i know mine it's quite obvious yeah. but i wonder what your lack of safety is i think dad was very um safety conscious as a um, your dad not uh, my dad my dad yeah um, I remember being in the back of the car. I think the M1 might have opened, had just opened. I think we were travelling on it. And we hadn't really done motorways very much back in the day. And Dad would say to Karen and I, I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, you're to jump down onto the floor of the well of the... So in case we ever have a crash, all I've got to do is say one, two, three oh to you. Oh, my God. So, I mean, that was quite... Yeah, um, Plant, st- planting a fear into you. Yeah. And I remember at the time thinking, this is mad. I'm embarrassed. Stop doing it, you know. Um, and also, um, see, these things are randomly coming out of my head now. When I met Dad, your dad, yeah, my, and we were in the car, we were going to go out wherever, 
And my dad came out and he said to, to dad, your dad, um, drive carefully, mate. He said, you've got my whole life in your car. Wow. And it's like... Take that mick on. Wow. You know, and just um, random things like we used to go on holiday and dad wouldn't allow us to go out into the water above our knee. He put a barbed wire all around the garden fence so no one could get in. Yeah, but it's so interesting how this stuff not only plants seeds, but you then carry on into your life. You know, we, and you swear you're never going to do it. Yeah, of course, and you do. of course. But it's in all of our lineage. And for him, there will be something from his parents Absolutely. that he would have got or Absolutely. from his experience of growing up at the time he grew up or whatever it might be. You understand that as you get older. You know, I never did ask my mum about her nervous problems because I was too busy trying to deal with it, Yeah, you know. Um, but it's so, I just do find it so interesting how so much of it is in our lineage and, you know, you do, I now as a mum feel a slight responsibility, like, oh, well, no, not a slight, a massive one. I don't want to put my stuff on my kids, but it's so hard not to because you're living your life. Yeah. You're trying to make yourself yeah. feel safe so that they yeah. are safe. Yeah. It's so, so hard to go, right, the buck stops here. This is where I'm going to... It's know, almost impossible. And, know. you know, there's that old saying, like, you know, your parents are going to fuck you up and, yeah. and you're going to do the same to your kids and it's kind of inevitable and you just have to go with it. Like, yeah. we can't live our lives praying that we're going to be these perfect parents where we don't offload anything because you will. It you goes will. way, way, way back, back. Way back. And even on, um, like, a cellular um, level, we don't know what we've inherited from... Of course. ...in our genes, you Absolutely. know. From, from generations back during the war, the fear they must have felt Awful. during the war. That's got to have come through. 100%. It could even go back 100 years, 200 years. Who yeah. knows? You it's know. all in there, stored. Yeah. Yeah, and, it, and again, maybe that's quite liberating because I think often we're so quick to blame ourselves. Like, oh, there's something wrong with me. I can't cope with this. It's so pathetic. But you go, wait a minute, this is generations of stuff that I'm carrying and yeah. generations yeah. of fear and worry and mental health problems or whatever it might be. And I think I think especially around the mental health subject, which is obviously something, you know, it's an en masse conversation now. It's not like it was when you were younger. It's not like it was when your mum was going to a psychiatric you know, day hospital. This mm. is now luckily a, a, a more commonly held conversation. Probably still not enough. There's still stigmas that are attached to you know, like even Tuppence was saying with OCD, it's seen as the funny one. It's the joke mental health problem. It's not a joke if you can't leave the house because you're checking light switches, but people make light of it. So there is still a lot of stigma there, but at least we are <laughs> able to have these conversations more so. But I think we've got to take the blame off ourselves. I'm not blaming our ancestors, but we can at least honour that this is stuff that's travelled through yeah. for generations. And and it's it's interesting to look at it and to poke around in it a bit. And, you know, as I said, I wish I'd had more time sort of talking to Nan about it and maybe Grandad as well, because it seems that he had his stuff going on too that I'm probably less privy to. But I find it very interesting. And then also I um, my, my newer book, Bigger Than Us, is... More, I guess, around spirituality, although I don't mm. use that word so much. I just see it as life and things that we're experiencing in an expansive sort of mindset when you're looking at life. And obviously, I was lucky that I benefited from your own interest in that subject matter growing up. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know I was like witnessing anything necessarily spiritual, but at least there was the exposure to that conversation and the language that you might use around things, which I'm very grateful for. And there are many stories in the book that relate back to that. Funnier ones being 
Dreamcatcher in Pinner, which was our local spiritual shop, where you were always very encouraging, like, go and try past life regression or go and do some Reiki. And I was probably like 16, 17. It wasn't the norm back then to do that, especially in sort of a suburban setting of a high street with a ginormous Tesco opposite. But I, I felt very lucky that... Um, there was an interest growing like budding from a young age because because you were into it so how has that helped when looking at your own sort of mental health or or how you deal with life how has spirituality bolstered that and, and helped you oh absolutely massively you know there is something somebody something <clears throat> watching over you guiding you you know I do believe we've all got guardian spirits looking after us I do believe you're you've got a hotline to God you know and you're using the word God in a non-religious sense you mean just sort of um, greater whatever, energy yeah, whatever the source of everything yeah 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 you know um, there, there's an ear listening to us experiencing with us guiding us all the time and it may not feel like it but I do believe that is unbreakable and it's helped enormously you know I've been to all these courses Reiki and I've done the past life thing with you know along with you but the answer to your question yeah I don't think I could have survived without knowing there was something more yeah no I know I feel it's a bleak prospect to think that it's just us walking around as humans oh yeah 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 and doesn't matter if people agree or disagree with that. If it makes you feel good, you go with it and you have your own set of beliefs. As I said, you know, neither of us are aligning to a religion. This is something other than that. And Well, um, it's, a, it's a feeling, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you you know, it's not just flesh and blood. It's a, a deep feeling. And where does that come from? Yeah. You know, it's very know, mysterious. Do we? we don't know. Yeah, but that's the great bit. And yeah. humbling going we don't really know anything very humbling great feeling of course when you're sort of looking into this subject matter or say you go and do a reiki course or you Mm. do past life regression or whatever the hell it is or you're just interested in this stuff and you start looking into it i guess one of the foundations of uh whether it's living a spiritual life whatever language you want to use here means that you know, you don't extract yourself from modern day living that's a given that we're all part of this and we buy stuff from shops and that's just how we now deal with life and we live life and sometimes it can bring great joy other times it's a bit of an empty promise but a lot of the time we notice that it's not always about reaching for the exterior getting the high from something outside of us and you do have to do a lot of looking inside and not just at the good bits and the love and the light but actually at the ugly bits and and the the shadow side of who you are which can be tricky it's tricky to navigate it's tricky to view those bits of yourself or accept that they're there how how have you navigated that and how do you deal with your shadow self i i hadn't been i hadn't been um happy to look at it and I, it's always puzzled me why it's there Everyone's I, got you it. know you do think dark thoughts and what have you and you just think why 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 is that there it would take a lot to unravel it but in a simple way i just own it and i don't question it i you know you can't as you say you can't be all hunky dory all the time everything's absolutely wonderful you know light and dark mm. you know light and shade i think it's really important when talking about spirituality to have this conversation because often i think 
people might assume, especially when, when we've got high profile figures who talk about spirituality, you might make the assumption that they live this sort of perfect existence where they have, you know, no negative thoughts, none of their actions are negative. And that's bollocks. Like everybody out there, I'm sure even Eckhart Tolle has thoughts come in that are, you know, not particularly friendly or nice. It's just who you are. And I think if we if we're sort of I hate all these words in this language, but if we're like going on a spiritual journey or we're starting our Mm. spiritual path, Mm. we might assume that the end of that path, the elusive end of it is to be this like peaceful, chilled person who never thinks badly. And that's actually really unhealthy, I think, because you're always going to fall short and then beat yourself up. Actually, it's just about forgiving yourself when those thoughts come in and going, oh, I just mentally called that person a wanker. And then you just go... Okay, move on from that, or or worse. But we've all got that shadow side. It's it's there. Yeah, own it. As simple as that. Own it. Own it and move on. Own it and move on. Own it, learn and move on. Yeah, yeah. It's all about learning. Yeah. You know, if I've uh, say had a big row with Dad or whatever years ago, I would have had a massive row with him and just sort of ugh, silly old bugger, whatever. <laughs> you know, just. But now when I do it, I feel really bad. It's like you've got to learn from it. You don't learn unless you feel bad. If you just didn't think, feel anything, then you would keep doing it. So yeah. you've got to learn. Yeah. So I've learned. And I he would sit here and disagree that I keep still keep having a go at him. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I am really heartfeltly um, learning mm. from it and trying to, to do better next time. But that's it, isn't it? Like, that is the key to all of it, is just going, oh, I'll try better tomorrow. I think about it every day with parenting. Most nights I go to bed and think, oh, I could have done that so much better. Like, I wish I hadn't said that. I wish I hadn't done that. Or I wish I'd encouraged Rex to do his homework more, or whatever it is. But you just wake up the next day and go try again. Every day's a new day. Wake up and try again. Yeah. That's all you can do. You're only human. Yeah, we're all human. human. So when we're talking about spirituality, as well as the sort of more grounded stuff we're covering, like it is that simple, wake up, try again, you're just a human, you're going to make mistakes. Mm. I know that you also have a deep interest in the more mystic stuff. And you do love the sort of magical bit and the bit that um, some people will poo-poo. Not me, I love all of it. I'm Mm. intrigued by it all, I'm interested in it, whether it's psychic ability, mediumship, whatever it is, I... I'm open to it all because I don't believe that I know a thing. Tell me some magical experiences you've had. <gasps> well, I could be laughed off the planet for half of the stuff. Yeah, but who cares? Who cares about all that? Um, okay, Wilfie popped into my head. Right, you have to tell us who Wilfie is because Wil- no one knows. Wilfie is our beloved retriever <clears throat> who we lost about five years ago. And we had him um, for 12 years. Uh, on the day he passed away, it was my birthday actually which was sort of weirdly an honour. Yeah, I don't know why mean. I would think that. But we took him to the vet. We had him put to sleep. We came back home and Dad was just... Dad's very emotional On person. the floor, yeah. on the floor. So he said, I've got to get out and have a walk. So I'm just sort of leaning against the wall, looking at him, putting his shoes on. And a voice in my head said, Rainbow Bridge... And it was loud and clear and it wasn't my thought. It was something that had been dropped into my head. Rainbow Bridge? No idea. Anyway, I don't know why, but I looked up later on that evening, Rainbow Bridge on Google. 
and it was a poem called Rainbow Bridge, When You Lose a Pet, and a beautiful poem. You can look that up anywhere, and how you'll meet them again, you cross the Rainbow Bridge. I thought, wow, I'd never heard of that poem before. And then a stream of events happened after. We took um, Wilfie's ashes and put them in the river to a place that I've been going to and Dad for the last 55 years. Never seen a swan on the river ever. Waiting for us were two swans at the end of the, the river and they came up to us and they just stared at us. Anyway, I'm cutting this really short. Fast forward a year. We're in Lake Garda getting ready to go out for dinner. And Dad looks at his watch and he said, oh, look, he said, today's the day we had Wilfie put to sleep. At this time, funnily enough, I went, wow. And I walked out onto the balcony. There were two swans wow. outside the balcony looking up at, literally, there were That's no so other beautiful. swans, never seen, you know, the, the whole week we were there on that moment. But I don't think you'd be laughed at for saying that. I think people find great comfort in signs and there has to be meaning there because otherwise why are those two freak coincidences happening? You know, it's a beautiful thing to find that meaning in an otherwise frantic, chaotic world. Well, it's very comforting and it was wonderful and it it didn't just happen those two times. It happened over and over and over again until we didn't need it anymore and then it kind of stopped. And now we've got lovely Wilma uh, in our lives. And um, she's an absolute joy. Um, yeah. Added so much. Mm. Uh, we're loving it. She's really such loving a lovely it. doggy. She's a beautiful girl. Yeah. She is. She's so special. And tell everyone the story <clears throat> about Wilma quickly, because it's so lovely. Uh, Wilma is from China. She's uh, She was in a cage outside a butcher's shop. Uh, a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, Kaz, we have a mutual friend who rescues them from China. And she sent me the film of Wilma and we just thought, oh, I've got to get her out of there. And she went through a a big ordeal of going, you know, through different countries and it cost a lot of money and a long time. But she came last October and it's as though we've had her forever. I know she's so untraumatised by all of that. She's amazing. She's a wonderful animal, mm. um, very knowing. She, you could almost call her a kind little girl. She's yeah, so sweet. she's a kind soul, Cold. isn't she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, when she comes in, she's in the kitchen now with Dad, but she <clears> walks in, sits down, looks you with her head <clears> tilted. She's so cute. Yeah, she's great. We so, love her. Uh, she's added a lot. Yeah, she I'm really so has to, for both of us, you know. Yeah, it's lovely. So sweet. Whenever we talk about Will, my dad has to still mention Wilf. <laughs> oh, he does it every day. I know, it's so sweet. On our walks, you know, I say, oh, look, she's whatever doing. Yeah, well, Wilfie didn't do no, that, no. you know, every time. Well, Wilf would never do that. He still says it all the time. It's because he feels he's um, being, being unfaithful. Yeah, he's to, betrayed to, yeah, Wilf. Yeah. Oh, bless Whereas dad. I think Wilfie sent her to us. You I know. think so. I think so, absolutely. Well, look, it's. Um, it's really cool to have this chat, isn't it? I'm glad that I sort of learned more about Nan, really, because I think I've been nervous to ask about Nan because I didn't really understand it. Or like, as a you know, at the time I would have been a small kid or a teenager before Nan died, when I guess I was in my early twenties. And you hear rumblings of things from like you and my auntie Karen, or even when I've talked to my cousin Bieber, but you never quite know the facts or the true story. Mm. And of course, this is, you know, your version of events. Karen would have a different version of events. Of your mum would yeah. have a different yeah. version of yeah. events. But it's really interesting to learn a bit more about it. I think it's, you know, as awkward as it can be to have that conversation, I think it's really important for families where they can to 
have that chat and look at the lineage and look at where stuff's come from. Mm, I think my only regret would be that I would sit her down now and talk to her. But at the time, you know, throughout the years, you think, oh, I wish my mum was like other mums. You know, I, I feel really odd and the odd one out. I want someone strong that, you know, and there for me. And it never really, it never really came that we had a chat, but I definitely would now, but it's too late. Yeah. And uh, she's obviously in a better place now and um you know I, i'll carry on every day trying to continue breathing and living and enjoying life and yeah. not get too wrapped up in it but i do think today is brilliant for people chatting about it bring it out into the open yeah that is number one key and um i'm so glad mental health's more of a a talking point now and that you know there's plenty of help for people yeah, me too. I mean, there's been such a change in the last sort of decade and it's only a good thing to talk about this stuff. So, Well, it was never talked about. Never. And there'd be whisperings and you wouldn't yeah. know what was going on as a kid. You'd think, well, what's going on, you know? Mm. Um, but no, it's brilliant, you know, and even your pod that you do, I'm sure helps a lot of people. Oh, I hope so. That is the only wish that I have for it. So thank you so much, Mum, for coming on Happy Place. Well, the pleasure, as I said, is all yours. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I really hope that you enjoyed that. Thanks, Mum. (laughs) That went better than I'd imagined. I really enjoyed that. I actually felt very emotional when my mum was talking about my nan, Sylvia, and the extent of her nervousness and nervous breakdowns. As I said, I wish I'd talked to my nan about it and I wish that I had known about all of this sooner, but, you know, I guess it's never too late to ask these questions and to have these conversations. And like I said earlier, if maybe this has been a nudge for you to have a big chat with someone in your life that you know very well but don't really go there with them, then, you know, I'm glad. I'm really glad that this might have inspired you to do the same because I found that not only interesting but really comforting being able to to have that chat with my mum today so thank you once again to mum and thank you to you brilliant people for listening as ever it's so nice to be able to do a little one-off special episode like this and know that you wonderful people will be up for listening to it so thank you so much Um, A big thank you also to the producers of this particular episode, Anushka Tate and Sophie King at Rethink Audio. And happy Mother's Day to you, whether you're a mum, a stepmum, whether you have a mum or a mother figure in your life. I hope that you have a brilliant day. And if your mum isn't around anymore, I'm sending you lots of love. And I hope that you honour your mum on this very special day. Lots of love to you all. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? 
They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 